Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, April 19th. I'm Karen Brown. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, former U.S. Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel speaks out on U.S. military involvement in the Middle East. I don't think it's wise to ever lead with the military. The military is there to support and back up, if necessary, a strategic diplomatic policy. Find out if a program that exposes students to jobs and skills for success can help your teen graduate from high school. And after the Health Minute, a new play celebrates the extraordinary life and legacy of Mississippi native sister Thea Bowman. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Former U.S. Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel is voicing his opinion on U.S. military involvement in Syria nearly two weeks ago. During his visit to Mississippi College, Hagel addressed the recent airstrikes ordered by President Donald Trump and the larger issue of U.S. involvement in countries in the Middle East. Secretary Hagel, a Republican who worked in a Democratic administration, disagrees with military interventions at this time. He shares his thoughts on the proper solution. Well, I've always believed that before using military force, and military force is a tool in our overall strategic and diplomatic effort, but we should always have a purpose, and that purpose has to be governed by a diplomatic solution and policy and strategy. I don't think it's wise to ever lead with the military. The military is there to support and and back up, if necessary, a strategic diplomatic policy. So I think what uh, this administration uh, has been doing has been, to some extent, consistent with what we saw in the last administration as far as policy. Obviously, uh, the destruction of ISIS uh, and uh, the other strikes that were taken uh, in Syria, even though the last administration did not use military force other than than many sorties, thousands and thousands of airstrikes uh, in Syria, uh, but not against the Syrian government. It was focused on uh, ISIS. So I think uh, the president deserves the time to let his policies and strategies play out. Uh, there is not a military solution to the Middle East or a military solution to terrorism, because you've got to ask the question, how and why and where did this all come from? How did ISIS develop? Where did that come from? Uh, What caused uh, that amount of unrest and terrorism and violence to perpetuate itself in the form of now very dangerous uh, non-state actors with great capabilities? Uh, So I think that's important, too, that uh, the military can't solve all these problems because in the end, It has to be solved in some political, diplomatic way. That's going to require significant statecraft. We're not going to be able to solve the problems in the Middle East 
the United States of America, uh, nor uh, will NATO countries or Western democracies solve the problem in the Middle East. Uh, we can help facilitate and build support and forums and venues uh, for solutions, but it, it has to come from the people uh, of the Middle East, the leaders, as to what kind of a world do they want for themselves, for their families, for their futures. While Hegel disagrees with the decision to use military intervention in the Syrian civil war, he does see the need for action against terrorism across the globe. He acknowledges ISIS as a global threat and says terrorism will continue to be a problem in the future. We're going to be living with all this for a while. Terrorism's not new. Terrorism has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. The sophistication of terrorists and their capabilities obviously presents a, a new kind, a new set of challenges. And I think one last point on this, as you look at the world today, 7 billion people on the face of the earth, and our demographers project that we're going to put 2 billion more people on the face of the earth by 2050, probably sooner. Now, that means 2 billion more people sharing the earth, and the earth doesn't get any bigger. That means jobs, school, education, skills, resources, potable water, health issues, which is going to force more and more conflict. And uh, this is a reality that, that we're, we have to think through. And this is, goes back to my bigger point about use of the military. The military can't fix that. These are huge social issues that have to be fixed socially uh, in communities, in countries, uh, in families. The military is there to do what it can. But until countries are able to address some of these social issues, then we're going to con continue to see the kind of uh, dangerous unrest and advent of terrorism and terrorist groups. Former U.S. Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel. Coming up, a program helping students stay in school is also helping them learn skills to get hired in the Mississippi workforce. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This week on Ampton Wired, Seth Power. I never had like the dream of being like, you know, the next this, that, or the other. Uh, it wasn't until a few years ago that I started writing songs that I thought other people would listen and identify with this. Ampton Wired, watch it loud, Friday at 10 on MPB Television. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Nonprofit organization Jobs for Mississippi Graduates is helping thousands of Mississippi public school students graduate high school and successfully join the workforce. Some students are being exposed to the business world and learning the skills needed to get hired. Other students who have disconnected in the classroom are being trained to focus so they can stay on the path to graduation. Ramona Williams is executive director of Jobs for Mississippi Graduates. She tells MPB's Mark Rigsby the meaning behind the program. 
Joshua Mississippi Graduates is a dropout prevention, college, and career readiness program. We use the title Jobs as our carrot to draw those young people into our program where we teach them employability skills. That's interviewing, resume writing, how to do job searches, um, what to do once they're actually employed. So Jobs is more or less our first name, but it is also our uh, name where we seek to attract the young people into our program. How many young people will come through the program today? Presently, in the 62 sites that we have our program, we're serving a little over 2,500 young people. That's in grades middle school as well as 9 through 12. And we follow our graduates in the class of 2016. We followed them for a year. So total we have a little over 2,500 young people in our program. Tell us what type of kid you're seeing in your program. What, what's their background? Our program is one where we seek to work with those young people who are not your creme de la creme in the high schools. They're not your academic uh, achieving students. They are not your uh, jocks on the sports teams. But they're young people that are there in the school, and they have talents and, and that have not been tapped into, or they're actually bored with the actual curriculum. And we're wanting to attract them and get them to see the value and the relevance of being in high school and having a high school diploma. So this is mainly for high school students. Yes, but we do the career exploration on the middle school to where they can at least identify some career tracks that they may be interested in very early in middle school. So who is at this site today? I've seen a lot of kids, but do we have a lot of businesses? Uh, yes, we have uh, Ingalls Shipbuilding is represented. We have uh, Nissan, uh, North America there in Canton. We also have the UMC, uh, UMMC, the telehealth we have doctors, we have a federal judge, we have attorneys, um, we have a young man who's on staff at the White House, who's a native Mississippian, who's also one of our presenters. Um, our corporate sponsors uh, for our program range from Walmart to Chevron. Um, we have a number of banks that um, support our program, as well as um, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. We're happy to report that we were able to receive a $500,000 grant for two years from the Kellogg Foundation. What will these young people learn today? Today, we are more or less wanting to motivate them. We're wanting to, them to learn about different career areas from manufacturing to the entertainment, um, the creative economy that we have here in our state. Um, so we're actually wanting them to actually see professionals in those various um, professions. And do you think your program is working? Very much so, very much so. Our data shows that we're going to have a 90-plus percent graduation rate for the young people of uh, the class of 2017. Of that number, we're expecting over half to go on to post-secondary education, and 30 percent of that graduating class will go directly into the workforce. If you're only reaching uh, a little more than 2,000 kids, then there's obviously many more out there that probably need to be in this program. So what more needs to be done? What we need is to have the support from all of our stakeholders, from our legislators to our school district superintendents, our school boards, as well as the parents to see the merits of providing these requisite life skills for our young people. The school districts are so overwhelmed with testing and accountability, but it's so imperative that our young people know how to interview, how to construct a resume, how to conduct themselves when they're actually employed in the workforce. And certainly it's a win-win for the state if we can attract industry to our state because we have this workforce that knows how to work. If this is a dropout prevention tool for these kids that are in the program, why are they dropping out? Why are they, why are they giving up? 
Research has shown that young people are dropping out of high school because they are actually not engaged. They're not engaged in the school culture. Um, technology may not be uh, promoted at that particular school. And our young people are growing up in a technological advanced world. So they're not going to sit in a classroom and be lectured for 50 minutes and you feel as if they're actually learning. Give me a success story. One success story we had to come out of Sunflower County. This uh, young man, very early, eighth grade, ninth grade, was a behavior problem for his teachers. He expressed that he was, but he came into the Jobs for Mississippi Graduates program in his 10th grade year. He liked the program. He liked the engagement that was offered. Um, he was able to hold an office in the, in the program as um, president of the Career Association to where he was actually engaged in an extracurricular activity. That young man um, went on to graduate from uh, Gentry High School. I talked to him over the weekend, and he's graduated from Morehouse College with a degree in religious studies. And he says JMG was the difference, and uh, he's going on to law school. So we are elated. Ramona, thank you very much for being on Mississippi Edition. Thank you for having us in Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're so grateful to have you as a partner and support of our program. Ramona Williams also tells our Mark Riggs being 90% of students in the program will graduate from high school this year. Coming up, the legacy of Canton native sister Thea Bowman comes to life on stage in her hometown. That's after our Health Minute with Dr. Rick DeShazo. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you have a vehicle that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org slash support. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Let's go to Ann in Tupelo. Ann, something going on with your knee? Well, about a month ago, I started working out core and cardio. It's not but about 30 minutes a day, three times a week. But a couple of weeks ago, or right in, not far into it, my knee started bothering me, and I probably overdid it. And it's a little swollen, and my ankle's swollen. And when I walk, it pops sometimes. Uh-huh. So what is your plan? Well, I, I bought a brace. Good. Uh, and, and, I mean, well, a compression sleeve. Yeah. Is it okay to wear that all day? Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about osteoarthritis is what's, what's going on with you. And when uh, osteoarthritis is caused by loss of the cartilage, envision is a bread slice between your upper and lower leg, that when you stand up and start walking on your leg, it functions as a pad to keep those two bones from scratching each other as you walk because they do move. And it's a gel thing. It's a gel foam, gooey type of pad. And as you get older, it wears out. The goo in it dries out, and it starts to desiccate and flake out. And the cartilage is damaged. And then you start walking bone on bone, and that causes new bone growth and pain. So that's what osteoarthritis is. So uh, first suggestions I give people who are starting a program is, A, you never do anything on a on a joint that's already causing problems. We know that osteoarthritis gets better with exercise, not worse. 
But if you exercise when it's already swollen or tender after exercise, that doesn't help. And you should wait until that goes down. And the usual treatment is braces are very good to be used short term if that decreases pain. Non-steroidals, we try to use Tylenol. Tylenol will not work for the pain unless you take it at least three times a day, whether you need it or not, because it's very short acting. And it's perfectly safe three or four times a day as long as you don't have liver disease or not a heavy drinker. So that would be the second thing. And then when all of this resolves, you need to remember what you did to provoke it and back off on your exercise to a level below that before you try it again. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The stage play Thea's Turn honors the life and legacy of Canton's own sister Thea Bowman. The play shares her story from her childhood as Bertha Bowman through her conversion to Catholicism and career in religion to the discovery of cancer and her death. With scenes from the late 1940s through the late 80s, the production attempts to portray Thea's struggle as an African-American and Catholic among the all-white traditional Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration in La Crosse, Wisconsin. A singer, Bowman performed spirituals and gospel songs from her Southern heritage, as well as traditional Latin chant and the music of Catholic origins. Playwright Mary Queen Donnelly and Jana Deer from the Canton Convention and Visitors Bureau tell us more about the production. There's something about her. You walk in our museum and you look at her pictures, you look at her eyes, and you can see love. And I truly understand there is no barrier between love. It doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are, what religion you are. There's no barrier. And I feel like that is the one thing she, if she was sitting here today, that's what she would say to me. And so I wanted to make sure my generation and the younger generations after me knew who she was. There's still people in Canton that grew up down the street from her, and they've taught me so much about her. But just when you look at her picture and you read her words, you know her. And I want to make sure that's never forgotten. Mary, what about you? Why did you want to write about her for the Times-Picayune initially? Well, for one thing, I, I was, I'm from Canton. I attended Holy Child Jesus. And so that was the black Catholic church. And I was so proud of Theo. And I knew, I knew what she offered. I, I knew her parents, Dr. I mean, her father was a physician, her mother was a teacher, and my family knew them. So that was, I I knew there was something there. And so when I met with her and followed her around, you didn't sit down like this and have an interview with Sister Thea. 
she was in a wheelchair. She was very sick at the time, and Dort, her her uh, companion and, and caretaker, rolled her around. And I went down those sidewalks, and she just talked and talked and talked. And um, she she told me some things that, I mean, I thought had happened, but I wasn't sure. What kind of challenges or difficulties did she have as an African-American Okay, well, the first one is pretty obvious. She was an African-American Protestant converted to Catholicism from Canton, Mississippi, pre, you know, civil rights era. And she joined the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration in La Crosse, Wisconsin. She was the only black member in that congregation until this day. So there was there was that which kind of had my mouth hanging open because I was interested in the convent myself and the Franciscans who were dear, dear sisters. And that's why she entered their congregation because they loved her and loved all the the families in there and went into their homes, which they had never seen white people do that. And so, I mean, that was the surface conflict. The real conflict, Karen, was that I learned and thus the name of the play, Thea's Turn, was that she thought when she entered the religious life, Western European Catholic Church, pre-Vatican II, she thought she had to divest herself of her African-American Southern culture to be the perfect nun. And, and she tried, but that conflict was so severe that I personified her child self, Bertha Bowman, in the play. And Bertha Bowman is her child self, that joyous, you know, f- a wonderful uh, little girl. She's about 10 years old in the play, and she fights with Thea the whole way. <laughs> now, I'm not going to spoil it and tell you how it's resolved, but it is resolved. Now, Jenna, you talked about personally your interest and how you were drawn to her. Did you have to, do you have a tough time convincing others in Canton to get on board with this? Not at all. About a year ago, I said, I want to make that museum honor Thea. If I don't do anything else here, that's what I'm going to do. And so we had been bouncing around some ideas of what we could do to honor her. And the play was performed in Madison. And Fonzie went to it and she came to me and she goes, we've got to do this in her hometown. And I said, let's do it. And so from a year ago, we've been working on this and Fonzie's put it together beautifully. And it's going to be an amazing story of somebody from our hometown. And Flonzie's here in the studio with us, but she's just she's just playing mom today and letting the two of you talk about it instead. But I'm glad you're talking about her and her influence here. Now tell us the specifics. When can people see it? One performance, right? That's right. We're doing one performance on April 22nd at 7 p.m. We're doing it at Canton High School. Um, it is free to the public, but we ask that you RSVP. We already have people RSVPing from California, Chicago, oh New Orleans. That's really why tourism is involved too as well because it's bringing visitors to town and that's what we're excited about that we're not only getting to honor Thea, we're also getting to showcase our beautiful town. And Mary, that has to be gratifying for you as the playwright. Oh my. I just, I have learned so much being on this committee. I mean, Miss Flonzi and I are somewhat contemporaries and I've, I've on, her, on the committee she has brought together a diverse um members and so i've learned from them i learned about the playmates of bertha bowman and it's just uh, it has been a surprise when flonzie called me she said may we do the play and i said oh my gosh that's just more than i ever dreamed of because it can't means a lot to me too and um and of course thea i mean she's been 
I won't say my life, but she's been a very big part of my life. Saturday, April 22nd, what time? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. And how do people RSVP? They can give our office call. Call the tourism office at 601-859-1307. Mary Queen Donnelly is the playwright of Thea's Turn, and Jenna Deer is the executive director of the Canton Tourism Office. Thank you both for being here. Break a leg. Hope it goes well. (laughs) Thank you. See you there. Thea's Turn Again premieres this Saturday at the Canton High School Auditorium. Admission is free, but you need to reserve a spot. Uh, For more information, go to cantontourism.com. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Fix It 101. Then at 10, Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.